friends, welcome back to another hook and chain, exciting blood drippy episode of the Film Alchemist podcast. A very special episode today. We are the podcast that takes the movies we love, breaks them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. Definitely, well, not really sex magic, maybe drug magic. We'll have to talk about it. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and just guy who loves boxes. <laughs> Alex Dandino. All right, before today's uh, exciting talk about the brand fucking new Hellraiser movie, a little bit of business, people, it is official. We're on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. The only way to make sure that you can get every single episode uh, this month. 31 pods were recorded. Three of them are over on our Patreon. We've got Train to Busan, The Eyes of the Mother, and a feature-length commentary on 13 Ghosts. You know you wants that. You know you wants that, and you want to come support the pod and join the club. Uh, we greatly appreciate those of you who already, uh, already support us, and we also appreciate those of you who are about to as well. Uh, something free and easy you can do to help the pod. Make sure you leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Everywhere and anywhere you find the pod, put them everywhere. Blanket that shit out, right? Like, throw the misery out into the world is what we've learned today. Also, you can subscribe to the YouTube Film Alchemist. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials. Share the shit out of all these episodes. We appreciate it. All right. Hellraiser. Uh, I have to say I was a little worried when this movie started. Not because of the movie, but because we have... Been on a long, hairy journey through the uh, the Hellraiser franchise. Hills and valleys, right? Hellraiser, my favorite movie of all time. So I was extra invested in this film, right? I wanted it so much to be good. Some of the early reviews I heard were like, meh. I have to say, I thought this movie fucking ruled. This is a wonderful Hellraiser. It kind of does its own thing. It beefs up the mythology. It fixes a lot of the things that have been wrong with the franchise for several movies. I honestly couldn't be more pleased. Is it Hellraiser 1? No. But what is, right? This is a fucking fun, awesome, blood-soaked ride. So, Alex, opening thoughts on Hellraiser. Yeah, it... um. It surprised me. I, I The trailer, I can tell you right now, I texted you after the trailer came out like two weeks ago, and I was like, am I wrong? But that trailer kind of sucked, right? Like, it was like not... I didn't love the trailer either. I was a little worried. I was not super stoked once I saw the trailer. I'm like, this feels like it's going to miss the point a little bit for me. Because, like, I've the thing I latch onto with Hellraiser, and my, again, I think I've said this on the pod. Like, my dad is always, like, fascinated by the fact that we watch these movies. Like, how can you watch that stuff? I'm like, it's cool, man. He's like, just he's like, turn a candle on in your sex dungeon. My parents are not, like, because my parents are not horror film people. But they, like, <laughs> but I was just like, it's about, you know, like, how can you watch that kind of stuff and not yeah. let it sort of, like. How did you watch Society, Donna? Maybe don't throw stones from your glass <laughs> sex dungeon. Well, poor Donna. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was one of those uh, things like I was like, all right, hopefully it's just like, you know, trailers tell you like 10% about what's going on. And I can tell you from watching the trailer and now having watched the movie. Yeah. Like 10% of the movie is in the trailer. Good trailers for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the scourge of the movie industry right now is too many trailers that show you too much shit. This one was kind of perfect. It gave you the taste, but it didn't really spoil the journey. Right. So one of the things I loved about this movie um, it did several things 
really, really well, right? It wouldn't be a Hellraiser movie if it didn't have some warts on it. But overall, I think the good this film does so oh, yeah. dramatically I mean, outweighs anything I didn't love. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the one thing you can look at this movie particularly that separates it from the others, not the others of like, I would say like the first two are different than the like preceding, how many, like five or seven, Eight. however many they are. Yeah. Either way. There's 10. This is the 11th. Right. So, <laughs> like, what separates this Hellraiser from the other sequels? And I mean, because, like, this is not a sequel to anything. This is literally, you're, you know, I think that's a good way to put it. Pocket Universe Hellraiser. Um, what is different about this is the exploration of the mythology. It's ve- like that is much more, it's much less sexual. Like, that is not part of the gag at all, really. Um, and it's a little, it leans a little, like, that was the thing that I didn't like about the trailer and that I was, like, not really looking forward to is, like, I liked sort of the otherworldliness of the Cenobites and the mm. fact that, like, that pain versus pleasure type vibe is, like, hard to distinguish for them because they're just, they've seen it all now. What I loved was how pleasantly surprised I was by the leaning into that portion that, that portion that they didn't do, but that the part that they did. It, it was... It was a really, really good line that was skirted. And just overall, I thought the movie did exactly what I wanted it to, as far as like a reboot or new Hellraiser, essentially. Yeah. So let's let's kind of go element by element, right? So one of the critiques I kept hearing about the movie is that the human characters were the great weakness of the film, right? Right. I don't think I would argue that point, right? They're clearly the weak link of the film is kind of our our human journey. Sure. That said, I think it's only the weakest part of the film because everything else is so exceptionally done. Yeah. By the end of the film, and I watched it twice now to make sure I was really sharp for this one. I actually think Riley was a really fascinating character. I think right? so too. I mean, do I think- the others get a lot of legs to do a lot? Not necessarily, right? No. Is Voight kind of my least favorite thing in the film? Absolutely. But I thought I thought Riley's journey, right? She she has this she's a very messy character, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the quibbles you could have with this movie is that it's specifically telling you that if you have a friend or relative who is struggling with life issues, definitely throw them out of your house and don't follow them, <laughs> all right? The journey of the movie is do not have sympathy for people who are struggling. <laughs> I think that might not be as what they what they intended per se. But I think Matt would agree with me a hundred percent. But what did you make of our uh, our human meat gallery in this movie, as it were? Yeah, I think that's a great. The way you put it was best. Like in a movie of things that are pretty good, like the worst thing is like just good. Like to yeah. me, like humans are always going to be a weakness in a movie like this because like they're going to make questionable. Like it's it's the horror movie conundrum. And we deal with this a lot, but Hellraiser particularly, it's always one of those things like, why are you still there? Like, that's always like (laughs) one of those things that like, it's a legitimate question a lot of the time. You're like, what are you still doing there? Like, why are you even involved with this anymore? Like, why do you continue to put yourself in a situation that clearly is like otherworldly, literally? Um, But to me, I I loved Riley. Like, that character was really cool. Like, in yeah. I was a little unnerved at first just because when they do these, re- it reminded me of uh, like, and again, I, sh- I don't know why I was unnerved by it because the evil dead was so good, but like, it's one of those things where the, 
auspice of drug addiction and that like kind of guys of like, Oh, she's they're recovering that bit to me goes one of two ways. It either goes the evil dead way where it's not like focused on at all. And it's literally just like the, well, that became like this super subtext, right? With which the possession element becomes this kind of extra nefarious hidden element. Cause how can you believe this? Right. How can you believe like, that's like the bit. And that's the part that I liked about the way Hellraiser. That's probably one of the best versions of that for sure. Yeah. And Hellraiser (laughs) skirts that a little bit, which, and again, they don't lean, they don't lean very heavy into like this addiction scenario. Like, what works for the evil dead is that not only that, but also it's literally the reason they're going to the cabin. You're like, okay, cool. Like there's a reason to go to the cabin. They're just like, Oh, let's go and fuck in the woods. Like it's not that kind of thing. This was literally like, Oh, she's down on her luck. She's had a rough life. She's doing these things like, but it never like becomes part of the plot. It just becomes the device of, Oh, Riley needs help. Riley always needs help. That's why Matt goes out to help her. Like that's why the concept of her, causing problems and like what she's doing by like continuing to pursue the the configurations that is what makes the movie worth watching because everyone yeah. is deciding whether or not they actually want to believe her like till the very end of yeah. the movie almost yeah and it's it's interesting right because hellraiser one spoiled us with the julia frank combo yeah i mean that, it's just it's so good and it's, it's so intimate it, yeah, it's just it's really super, wonderful it's right? super psychosexual and weird and like that's a perfect yeah. like, yeah, it's kind but, of this destruction of an ideal family unit like so that that was just really well done right mm-hmm. i i think in this movie though right the addiction isn't used to because this was my fear at the start of the movie right as it started I was like, they are really daring me to hate this lady, right? Yeah. And in a weird way, I think that kind of works for Hellraiser, right? Is that these people who are pushing beyond, right? Because one of the things I enjoy about the film is that this isn't just a fucking, you know, sex pervert adventure, right? Anyone who has a taste that has gone too far, right? As I'm watching the movie and I was like, don't take the fucking pill. Like she picked him up off the ground. Sadly, in my old days, I I remember moments like that, right? Where you're like, I'm done. And then you're like, I can't be done, right? Right. As I'm watching this, right, I'm trying to quit smoking, right? And I'm like eating bad food today. I was like, all right, like maybe I shouldn't be judging so fucking hard, right? Addiction is a really hard thing to balance, right? But then watching her take those pills, you're so fucking just, no. It's a gut-wrenching emotional moment, right? Which shows that I'm connected to the character. Watching Matt have to suffer for trying to go find her was brutal it was fucking brutal and then when the the boyfriend says i told you not to go as if once again your shit has brought him into this Mm -hmm. she immediately runs to her artist boyfriend's house and just mauls him as soon as the doors open yeah so her reaction is i think my brother's dead let's fuck and i was like that is a fucking tough hurdle right? right so you're sitting there like i fucking i'm pretty mad about this right like i don't love this character but then you're thinking she is kind of this new version of the the Frank archetype, right? This person who is struggling so much and is in so much turmoil emotionally, right? That her response to everything is a quick fix of some kind of physical pleasure, right? right? Be that drugs, be that booze or cigarettes or sex, right? So it, it's kind of in keeping with her addictive personality. Well, I thought by the end of the movie, they weren't bludgeoning her as quote-unquote junkie. I don't know if that's like what people are called anymore right but they they show that she's just this person in this modern world 
is just in the fucking, well, you know, she's in the whirlwind. Well, I thought what was interesting, actually, is I wouldn't even say it's a matter of pleasure-seeking for Riley. Like, Riley's reasoning for doing all those things is actually pretty similar to, like, the Cenobites, which is to numb everything. Like, you're so numb to everything going on. So, like... You're seeking it so much that it doesn't even exactly, help. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so that to me... temporary respite, yeah. That, like, I really, really liked that that was the... I liked that that was the take on Riley's whole, like not addiction, but just her whole character in general is that she is constantly looking to numb what's going on in the world around her. And like, yeah, by the time we get to the end, she's so engaged. Like she's so a part of it. And I mean, like this is another thing I really liked about this one is no one is like, everyone is morally ambiguous in this movie. There's absolutely nobody who you're like, I mean, the roommates seem pretty cool. Roommates were fine, <laughs> but, like, at the same time, it's also one of those things you're like, well, you know. Her brother is a judgy bastard. Yeah. But, but that it's her happens brother. sometimes when you deal with difficult family Absolutely. members. It's a little more personal, right? right. There's all these I mean, open like, wounds. again, there's never a time where someone's tortured in this movie. I'm like, oh, finally, they got theirs. Like, that is, like, <laughs> not really, like, even Voight, I was just like, I don't give a shit at that point. But, like. I was actually mad that Voight didn't get it worse. Right? I mean, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, like, <laughs> I, like. There's no character in this movie that got Cinnabit that didn't, that I was like, well, that's like unfortunate. <laughs> like everyone. Oh, uh, Nora. You didn't feel bad for Nora. Oh, that's what I meant. No, no. That's what I was. Oh, that's... I thought you were saying you were glad to see them get chewed. No, up. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was no one in this movie that, yeah, there was no one in this movie that I was like, oh, finally this one got theirs. No, like Nora, <laughs> that Nora scene, we'll get to that. But like, my God, what this, a th th but see, even Nora, right? Stuff. A really small character, right? She just has a couple of those moments where she's always trying to be this kind of gentle respite for Riley, mm -hmm. right? And when fucking artist douche is in there, like, hey, let's have some bourbon and these dusty old glasses, like, hey, man, we don't drink around Riley. And it's this kind of cutting, like, you should fucking know this because you were in the process with her, right? Right. And I was like, her, her kind of wanting to defend Riley was really charming, right? The boyfriend going to save Riley, knowing that she might have somehow been indirectly responsible for Matt. Well, directly responsible for Matt's death. Let's right. not be coy. Um, <laughs> you could argue that, like, she was kind of put in an unwinnable situation. Right. She made a, she made a mistake and paid I, for it, right? Yeah. So there, there are these moments. But Colin, like, trying to come get her, right, and try to talk to her. He listens to her, like, hey, I found this book about this ancient god and configuration. There's boxing. He's like okay maybe we just go home <laughs> like figure it out like i really related to them as like these nice kind of protective characters yeah. right I, so i i thought for how little they were asked to do in the story or how i guess pr they didn't get a lot of chances to like really delve into those characters no i found myself really emotionally attached to them still yeah i mean i think that 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 comes from for me when they get when being tortured to me is like one and this is something that this is something this movie does that but i i haven't seen it this way in a very long time and this you know again we've watched fucking 10 of these movies at this point every single one of them yeah. like there's and like even the shows by the way that i'm not on i still watch these movies by the way <laughs> like <laughs> um because that's what that's what podcasting's all about um that's that's a true artist right there a but, little artiste but like <laughs> This is the first one where really, like, the torture itself seems, it seems very personal. 
Like, I think that's a really fascinating thing about this one as a, this one and why I think it, when we get to ranking, we can talk about, it, but why it finds itself in the upper, upper echelons of these Hellraiser movies, because yeah. like the first two do have sort of more personal vibes to it. And this is the same way. And I, I really appreciated that. Like nothing about, nothing about this movie felt like it was, we got to get a movie out. I think that's a really important thing about yeah. the Hellraiser franchise is as we went on, it really felt like it's on, uh, you know, it really felt after like, Oh my God. Inferno. Yeah. They were just hell. like, guys, we gotta, we gotta get a movie yeah. out. This just year. throw a pinhead in this other thing. We don't right. know what to do. This with. is, um, this is the this first is love one. Letter. This one felt really like, yeah, like David Bruckner and Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski were like, I have to, we have to make a really good Hellraiser movie that like says exactly what we think about, hellraiser as it applies to the 21st century right and that's the thing too so to address the criticism again but the second time i watched it i found my empathy for riley to be so much higher right mm -hmm. at the end when we see her pursuing this thing thinking she can erase a mistake she made with her brother that works for me I, I thought all of this for the characters worked for me not you boy not you um <laughs> you know i thought it was wonderful so i i don't really for me, that complaint didn't register. Same. The second thing they, they kind of added to this, right, that I really loved. I love the new mythology of the box. Me too. It's the, it's the only one in the world. It's been forgotten until now. What did you make of the new box, right? We've got six configurations. The box marks a victim, right? Because everyone who opens it, a secret little blade pops out and slash them. Then they're marked. The Cenobites come to get them. Mm-hmm. What did you? I actually wrote this down, right? Because the box has six configurations, right? The Leviathan configuration for power, the lore configuration for knowledge, uh, the Laudrant configuration for love. I didn't even know the Lament configuration for life, liminal sensation, Lazarus resurrection. Right. I thought this was a fucking brilliant addition to the mythology because on twofold, right? One, I love the idea that people who aren't just fucking perverts can still find themselves drawn to this thing, right? Because now it, it, this movie almost becomes a great lead-in for tomorrow's movie, The Wishmaster. Um, this is a be careful what you wish for movie, right? Yeah. Yes. And I, I like the idea that there's all these different gifts at the end besides just getting your body pilfered. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because I actually was in the did I, I don't remember if I texted it to you, but I was like, isn't it odd that this is like turning into like a Wishmaster type thing? Like there's... Yeah. There is this like really interesting Wishmaster element to the box now, with because like, I loved this addition to the configurations. Like I like awesome. that it's not so just, fucking good. It's not just some box that you know sizzles and zaps and then they show up. Like there's like there's mechanics to it, and there's an actual like lore to it. And I really like that the level of configuration is also. Again, it, it, it's pursuant to the it's pursuant to the person, the configuration mm -hmm. of power, the configuration of lament, like those kinds of things. Like I love when she, when Pinhead at the end says to like Riley, like you've chosen the lament configuration. Like, damn, yeah. that oh is my cool. God, that, that is was fucking a moment cool. that like kicked me in the balls. Me and I too. Was like, that is fucking that perfect. Is so cool. What on two levels, right? One, it's a throwback to the original lament configuration. The, yeah. the movie ends with the box back where it began. Right? right. Love that. That is for life, right? What is life? But to have lament and regret. Right? Uh, yeah. Perfect. The other fucking subtly scary thing about that. You literally cannot make a choice. Right. 
if you choose nothing, you've made a fucking choice, right? You've chosen the lament configuration. Right. I thought that was fucking brilliant. It was awesome. Right? Like, it also plays into choice. how people pursue how they get the blood, right? You know, someone who has powers, like, I'll just fucking throw these people, right. well, you I know, like to this cube. She's trying to, like, I'll use it to kill Cin- – it kills Cenobites. Okay, yeah, that, that was, was another a fucking thing that weird fucking blew my mind. I was like, wait, so the Cenobite can be offered up. And then I was like, man, we should go back through these movies and be like, how easy would it have been to just fucking ice these dudes? I, I wonder, because this is the other thing I love about this addition to the box, right? By making it a, you have to go through the configurations to get an audience with God, right? Leviathan himself right. and ask for your boon. The idea that, of trying to get these people to go through what it's really doing, right? This one box. Cause in part two, we saw that, you know, Dr. Dickhead had like hundreds of these things, right? He was a collector of them, right? Some false, whatever. What this does is by chasing this thing, right? You see the web of misery and despair. This thing spreads out through so many people. How many a people are affected by this, this one box just being present, this one fucking billionaire pervert, has spread so much despair and misery yeah. throughout the land, right? Even when he chooses uh, liminal, right, the sensation, that is probably the weakest moment of the movie, right? Yeah. I choose sensation. All right, you get this weird, like, you know, accordion like in your nerve chest. nerve-ending accordion in your yeah. chest. You still have to live, and you're, like, you're still shaving because yeah, you have a stubble after six years. That was fucking wasn't, lame. Wasn't super good for me. I was just like... That, that was lame on the highest order, but it panned off really well in the end. So, again, I forgive. But the the additions to the box, the kind of weird thing, right, is Riley somehow is this adept ninja where the blade never pokes out and stabs her. It just becomes a weapon. But this is the thing, right? We see Pinhead adjust the rules of the box. So, at one point, makes the box stab Riley right. and says, we have your blood. We'll collect when we want, right? Feed the box. Get those other two, right? right, right. You or them, your choice. So, she adjusts. Pinhead accepts the fucking Cenobite as offer, right? That's not something the box has to do, right? Pinhead's playing a game. And I think that the idea that the puzzle box is actually a game and a, a, a labyrinth of itself that puts us in all of these ethical scenarios to see yeah. how we react. Yeah. I, th- I Honestly, I think the box edition is the best part of this movie. I think so, too. I like It's, the, it's a brilliant addition to the mythology. What I like is that... Yeah, like the box becomes the vessel for choice rather than the box being the actual thing itself. Like, because, like, for instance, like when Voight stabs Nora, for instance, you're like, oh, yeah, that because I was uh, that part. I was like, that seems weird because, like, he's not in command of the box. Like, I don't understand what that I don't understand what that was like. Okay, but maybe this is part of the. Maybe this is part of what we're talking about, which is Pinhead altering the rules is it's much more. It's about the it is about not the not the user of the box, but it's about the feeling like the vibe of it. And like, I don't know, yeah. it was a very you're that- also specifically attacking them on an emotional despair level instead because right. we, we always laugh right by like part two, three, whatever. Pinhead's just like, Jesus Christ, no yeah. more deals. Pinhead is like, for sure like you touch the box. I come for so the flesh. That's the whole deal. The fact now that Pinhead has this box with which it's a blank canvas yeah. for Pinhead to create whatever misery he wants or she wants, right? The Hell Priest. Uh, I thought that was fucking yeah, awesome. I thought it was awesome. Such a great choice, right? Even when she's going to throw the fucking box in the leg, it's like, no, we want you to finish. Yeah. It, that I think is, okay, 
I don't know. This might be my favorite like part of the whole like scenario in which they've used the box is when she basically chooses Riley and says, you finish this to like, there are mm-hmm. two, there are two configurations left. My first, I was like, okay, is Riley that selfish where she might just fucking lure these guys in? Like, is she going to be this, is she going to be this fucking, uh, is she going to be that kind of bitch? You know, like, is she going to end up being, yeah. is she going to be, end up being the Julia and like, just fucking I mean, that, that was, that was her great redeeming quality, right? Is that while she is a person who has sought these extra experiences for comfort, whatnot, um, she has this, this kind of moral character yeah. at her core, which, right. Which I, I thought was a redeeming quality. Really right? cool. But in that moment, right. I wrote it down is uh pinhead says not yet, except the pain you have wrought. Yeah. I thought that was a perfect thing. Right? She's like, I didn't ask for this, but you did, right? We have right. such gifts. Our gifts are unimaginable. I don't want your gifts, but you do, right? Right? Penhead's just calling out like, yeah, we're like, not here by accident. Do. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I'm not called to you by accident. Like you've already sought this kind of, yeah, experience by by saying yes to the robbery and this and that. You have gotten close enough to dangers yeah. right i think that have led you to this point in your life i think what i like is that Pinhead calling her out like that was just yeah awesome what i like about the box itself is that it's not this like like it's like we were talking about like it's what happens with like you'll see with like Wishmaster two and three and then like the later hellraisers it's like the box just sort of happens to exist and people like the, accident- the box doesn't really have any right. kind of i I like uh, that you, to it yeah, anymore. like I like that this goes back to the first one, which is like, it takes effort to have this box. Like, yeah, you must command it. You like, it is not a, it is not a thing that just anyone can like happen upon. Like you must hold it and command it yourself. Like that's a really important thing that I think gets lost in the later Hellraisers mm-hmm. and just like movies that have this kind of iconography, like those little pieces, like this is an important, this is an important piece of horror iconography. To treat it oh, with yeah. such disrespect of like, oh, anyone can find this shit. That is like yeah. the problem in and of itself. In Inferno, it's a lamp. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> no. No, it is not. Like, there's well, like. It gets back to part two, right? It's where it's like, it's not hands, but desire that calls it. That right. always has really stuck to my head totally. as the important element. And on that bridge, right, is uh, uh, Riley says, I've done enough. Mm-hmm. And Penhead says one of my favorite lines in the movie, enough is a myth. Yeah, and if that is not the goddamn thematic importance of every Hellraiser story, Absolutely. I don't know what is. Right, Riley knows this. Yeah, right with her her habits. Right, uh, there is never enough for any human being. Why do we work jobs to buy more shit we need? Why do people cheat on their wives? Right, like this is all we do. Right, is we want more because there's something empty inside of us. Right, right? like that box, we have a hole right in the right. middle of us, and when you fall into that. Who knows what happens? Right. I thought this was totally. awesome. It's the my second favorite thing that this movie added. It has been, and I like the Cenobites in part three personally, but if you go from movie four through 10, we have not had essentially a good Cenobite since part three. Damn, and dude. some people would even say These part are two. Good ass Cenobites, man. This movie has, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Hellraiser one Cenobites obviously sure of course this movie has the best cenobites by miles they're fucking awesome the designs are fucking great 
I like that some of the Cenobites have agency of their own to mm -hmm. actually go catch people and torture them the in gas. their own ways. That's they yeah. have a reason to be there rather than like Penhead's backing band, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh my god, she, it was awesome. the, the Cenobites in this movie fucking rule. Yeah, like the Gasp, the one who's like got her own got her own vibe. Like she, she's is, like really into it when she, she piano wires the skin. Oh on, yeah, and that part's great, right? Because Riley's now chosen. She knows that artist douche betrayed her, right? Right, right. Something that's pretty telegraphed, especially you watch it the second time. You're like, if someone didn't catch this, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, she stabs him, right? Like, I choose him. And she's smiling the whole time, right? If she grabs Colin, she's smiling, mm -hmm. right? If she says, you could choose another, she's smiling. And this is the other subtext of the box, right? Is that it allows them so many more opportunities to watch humans degrade themselves spiritually. Exactly. And that's it. like the and true pleasure for the Cenobites. The Cenobites are fucking awesome right? the, the one that i really loved the was the crying out. cenobite right the oh, gigantic yeah. like midnight dark one mm -hmm. its hands open up so cool. oh my god so fucking awesome so good man <laughs> i loved it yeah they were really really good ones right even the one at the end that looks a little generic silent hill one the face the like, like face the cover rips on like, <sighs> what's that one called the like the gasper no the gasp is the um the, the girl yeah uh i don't know what i don't know all their names i just know they were wonderful i'm actually i'm looking at the names right now okay so there's obviously the chatterer yep and then there's the weeper oh my god when Nora's blood spilled down on his chattering teeth i was like yeah fuck yeah give yeah. me all that the weeper i don't <laughs> yeah. know which, is the weeper that was the giant uh, the midnight one. dark one yeah. yeah uh and then the the asphyx as i think is the one with the skin across the face the silent hill one yeah because it's like <gasps> yeah yeah no i mean this so is that's top, that's, the thing, that's right? top notch it's, design, man. Yeah. Penhead is the fucking marquee player, right? Yeah. He's the one who, you know, he's on the VHS covers. That was the first image we all saw. That is the thing that like we are right. there to see. The fact that, again, we just went like even Hellraiser Inferno, which I love. The laziest worst Cenobites, unless you want to jerk off to Thanos the sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> terrible Cenobites. And it only got worse from there. Yeah. The Cenobites in the rest of the series are essentially just some kind of like mask that looks like pulled skin. Yeah. Hellraiser Judgment tries a little bit, but not to great I effect. Think... It was so nice to have these fucking hell creatures. Well, there's abound. just like legitimate design put in like I, the the makeup awesome effects designs. in this movie are fucking incredible. I like, mean, just perfect. There's legitimate me. design elements put into this. Like, I again, I was I thought I was going to be a little upset. It's like. Man, there's not enough leather. Because that was like actually one of the notes. Like, there's not a lot of leather in the. No, because that's the dude. Pinhead's dress is skin. I know. Okay, I was just. About, I actually thought that. I was, was awesome. just about to say this. Like my favorite yeah. design element was literally like the leg yeah. skin that turns into the dress. Like, god damn, that is genius. I mean, leather gives off the horniness vibes, which yeah, Hellraiser sure. was built upon. That is a foundational core of Hellraiser. Yeah. Honestly, this one gets a little deeper into the mythology of what these eh, bodies totally. are for. Like, and, and I was I was like, cool with it. Pinhead's got the lockbox in her neck. Like it's it's fucking rad. Okay. Speaking of necks, the Nora torture scene, that Jesus. might be one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in a movie is when Pinhead like threads her vocal cords. Holy yeah. shit. You man. know what's awesome is that one is so affecting, but it's such a small fucking moment it compared is. to all the violence we've imbibed Dude, in Hellraiser. It's fucking just a, I was Oof. like, why is Leviathan so into fucking sewing pins? Like I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. Somewhere in the age he saw that the first time, right? Like the first fucking Renaissance 
Taylor is like, ah, a pen to hold my cloth. And Leviathan's just like, dear God, thank you. <laughs> you, just like, you just like to imagine in his off hours, Leviathan yeah. is just darting, I don't know what Leviathan. Yeah. What is Leviathan spontaneously coming in his pants look like? But that moment it he's happens. Just, he's like, he's just so darting pins. socks waiting for the next config. Like, all right. <laughs> Quick, use those pins to make me socks to bust in. <laughs> Leviathan out. Right? I'll show you pleasures if you don't give oh, me jerk yeah. socks. Yeah, that was. But that scene in general, right? Because mm. this is something that we both loved in the first one is how the hell would emerge from whatever environment you're in. Yeah. Dude. This movie does a pretty good job, right? Like the walls open up. The when van. that van Fuck. starts expanding. I mean, that was Chill City. That that scene yeah. is fucking righteous. I, I could not get enough of that. I loved it. Yeah. The Nora scene that is, it, it, it hits all the beats. Like, it's probably one of, it's like the second best pinhead monologue, which are few and far between. I like that there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of talking from the Cenobites. Like, they're just no. omnipresent In my notes, though, creeps. I pretty much wrote down every single line of pinheads, and I'm like, that's awesome. And I like that, <laughs> but I like that, like, she picked, you know, we picked her spots, man. She knew when to talk and she knew when, like, again, all of it is so, and I'll be honest with you, like, to me, I told Andrea this, like, I was like, my, my wife does not want to watch this movie, but I was watching it this morning because, like, we took her kid to school and then we were watching, like, I was having my coffee and, like, watching the movie and she heard me from up from upstairs because I was watching in the living room and I was just like, God damn it, when does this fucking movie start? This is like, got, like, we were like probably around the third configuration. It was like, Jesus Christ, I'm so bored. What is happening in this movie? But I was like, <laughs> but I was talking with her and I realized what has happened is like, I've been so desensitized over the last like month of watching like, sorry, bad Hellraiser movies that literally like ignite yeah. immediately. And it's like an 80 minute marathon of just like, yeah. I don't know, there's some whips and chains and somebody's about to get flayed. You're like, cool. This one Hellraiser is, movies that didn't quite reach their potential right. for sure. <laughs> this one I realized the reason I was like, God, I'm so bored is because like I'm used to like an 80 minute yeah. jerk fest. Of, you're like, take your glass off. You're like, what the fuck is that? A first act? What yeah. the fuck is that doing? Here? Exactly, I was like, hmm. <laughs> it's very curious. This uh, whole I can't see real good. Is that a first act? This whole pacing thing they're trying to pull Are we off paying here. overtime for this shit? <laughs> it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, so and I had to like I had to stop like halfway through and like pause for a second. I was like, I think I'm bored. And Andrea was like, I think you're just used to them sucking. Like, why don't you just finish watching it? You didn't like right. smoking lady getting it Serena. Oh no. I loved that part. Like, but that, but again, I was just like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm sorry. Save your fucking save. breath for yeah. screaming. Oh my God. I was like, Dude, well, that yeah, was like, but that, but see that, that is the beginning of like things getting good. Like literally yeah. it felt like a 50 minute preamble of like, I get it. But I realized I was because... curious when we didn't see Matt get hooked. Yeah. I was like, why are... a Hellraiser movie that doesn't show back? a fucking maiming? What? Yeah. The, I, I was think, a little worried. Again, that's what it is. Is I was just like, <laughs> we because that it was that one. And then the one in the prologue, I was like, God damn it. Are we going to do a whole fucking movie where they're not going to show us any of this? Because like, OK, there's no reason to do a Clive Barker thing if we're not going to. fucking. I'll go say this, it. though. There's something about this creep praying to Leviathan, right? Like. Give me a boon. Give me an audience. And in the background, you just see that guy hanging. Oh, no, it was great. I was like, that was awesome, Dude, right? But it was the yeah. way to start a fucking flick, for sure. That that was cool. I, that one, I didn't even feel like I needed it, right? Like, I, no. I had the, it was the premonition those... that was coming back. 
Yeah, but it was one of those but. things where I was like, why do I feel this way? I was like, oh, it's because this is a good one, and like the last eight have not been entertaining at all. Like The last ones have sunken so into the what can we do to the flesh, they rejected the flesh of the mind. Right, right? exactly. This one really hits you on all levels. All right, so the Nora good. scene is a great place to introduce our new pinhead. Um, it's always hard when you take a horror icon and you recast them. And what I love about this movie is they didn't do some kind of watered-down Doug Bradley version. No, no, no. This is an entirely new Hell Priest, right? This mm -hmm. this is operating by its own rules, has a distinct personality. The way yep. that Pinhead accesses this movie is so different than the way that Doug Bradley's Pinhead yeah. did. And don't get me wrong. I'm not here to slander. If you, Doug Bradley is still Doug the Bradley's best amazing. Pinhead. Yeah, he's great. He's still the guy that I'll always think of. That VHS cover is how I'll always think. The voice was fucking majestic. Mm -hmm. I got to say, though, I think it's like a 1A, 1B. I think so, and too. And Jamie man. Clayton is fucking entered the pantheon of I mean, great Jamie fucking Clayton, horror movie monster. Jamie Clayton's characterization is so, like, where there's this sort of, like, majesty to Doug Bradley's, and not just because he's British, but, like, this, like, majesty to Doug Bradley's presentation as Pinhead. Yeah. The off-puttingness of Jamie Clayton's, like just like general pleasure for the proceedings like that is like fuck the, that the terror is up, so dude. much more intimate and, and seemingly gives joy to pinhead right totally we talked about doug bradley by the end felt like a guy who's like oh god Quit like, he's like oh, i gotta box, turn off god my xbox <laughs> and go fucking find another pervert great like i'm gonna have to fucking power wash my leather and yeah. get through this sex dungeon great, i'm again, getting right? out of my robe and slippies for this like no. yeah and that's why pinhead was great right is he is this otherworldly being looking down on us like you fucking animals what are you doing down here yeah why are you doing all this weird shit right he had this like judgment from on high thing there is something what what jamie brought right in that first scene with nora right that like what do you pray for it doesn't seem as if it's something scary it seems as if pinhead is legitimately Curious. interested by what mm -hmm. she is witnessing and I was like, oh, my God. And right. then she's like, you know, what would that look like? A joyful note without change. There's no music in that. And then proceeds on to this, you know, your body can be made to feel everything. You're going to feel it all by its end. And I was, that extra in this movie, Pinhead feels invested in collecting yeah. these prizes no, for Leviathan. I thought that was wonderful. Jamie Clayton fucking knocks this movie it's out incredible. of the park. It's an incredible I mean, performance. Just fucking brilliance. Because that, honestly, I was a little worried. Not because Jamie Clayton, but as because anytime you recast, right? When they redid Freddy Krueger, mm -hmm. the next time they'll redo Freddy Krueger. Um, you know, when they recast, even when Michael Myers got redone by Rob Zombie, people are like, that's not the same. I hate it. Mar, mar, mar. it it's hard to recast such iconic yeah. characters, right? And even Revelations and Judgment. Like they tried, so we'd seen other pinheads, but they were not. No, up this to snuff, was right? like there's Jamie there's Clayton made it her own character that stands besides Doug Bradley's. There's yeah. artistry in this performance that like it, and I think the really important thing is it's not mimicry. It is not the same pinhead. It's a completely, completely different, its own. completely different iteration. And again, like it is this like weird. You're just waiting for her to crack a smile the entire time, and you're like. God, when she does, it's going to scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, but this is like, I think this is really, you know, it's that's funny. Really... It looks like she always has a smile. Yeah. 
But I think this is a really important thing you brought up, like the banal curiosity she carries with every like every single person they torture. Like, and yeah, that Nora scene obviously is just a fucking all timer now. But like every single time, like when she approaches Voight with the fucking contraption in his chest and she's like her like it's a fascinating thing to watch Pinhead like it isn't this empirical thing. And I think that's something that Doug Bradley brought to the character that. You know, we just all are like, yeah, of course, that's that's what yeah. it is. But like, so alien to the human experience. Like, what I like is that it's it, yeah, like because the the priest, that's like what they call her in the movie. Mm-hmm. I like that it is this sort of disciple of Leviathan, rather than just like, oh, I'm here to bring forth Leviathan. It's Leviathan. It's literally like, listen, I got my own agency in this bitch, all right. But I'm gonna yeah. like, I'm but gonna you like, see why Penhead's number one because yeah, totally. so invested in this journey. And just adding those touches, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even shit-talking Voight when he's like, I built a cage. Yeah. And Pinhead just goes, all of this for us, you know, incredible, whatever. And I was like, old Pinhead would have been like, how fucking dare you? Yeah. How dare you sword apart. Yeah. yeah, like. How it, dare you talk to me? It would have been very regal, but this I is. I don't know. It's an incredible just the scenes, right? So, like, when they're slammed behind the fence, right? And the, mm-hmm. the Cenobite's attacking. She turns and just looks to Pinhead. And just that very still image of Pinhead just standing there, it just conveyed so much fucking horror. Well, that that scene where they slap, they rip the chatterer apart, like that was one of the coolest, like just Pinhead moments. Is just like yeah. it's this stillness, and then just, but boom. almost like seems. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, all right, I guess we got to do like, it. That's cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like, oh. Not like a, how dare you? No, it's literally like, I'm discovering this as well. Oh, yeah. how interesting. And yeah. it also shows you that even when you receive Leviathan's gift of becoming a Cenobite, you're still not fucking safe. No. Everything is still on the board when it comes to the game of the box. I right. I don't know. I thought Jamie was just fucking She was one. fucking And then that, that final monologue, right, when... um. She's sitting there talking, right? And he's like, just let me die. Gifts cannot be ungiven. Uh, what you've always sought is power, right? And the fucking shit's... The, the stupidest device in movie history is falling <laughs> off of Voight's body. Uh, it's not that bad. I just... That part, I was like... No, I mean... How like, could you have not... We'll get to Voight in a minute. But when she, they sit there and it goes, our power lies in dominance, anguish, and now it's yours to wield, and then drops that we have such sights to show you. That didn't feel like a, oh, they're ripping. That felt like a joyous, like, if yeah. you're in, like, a like, church and, like, a choir singing, and you're like, <gasps> I mean, it's it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like, Jamie dominates Incredible. this movie. And then that's the other thing, though. The thing that Jamie really brought to this movie that was so fucking wonderful, right? That final scene where Riley is confronting the Cenobites. Mm-hmm. And she, um, I forget how exactly they phrase it. I wrote it all down, right? And uh, you've chosen a life of regret. And then uh, the other one, you know, your suffering has only begun. Yeah. And it's you live to carry that weight bitter and brief. She almost seems like, oh, my God, I'm sad for you. Like, you should have let us fucking put the hooks in all your holes. Don't you want to see your life now? She almost seems like she is sad for Riley. And I was like, what a fucking amazing decision for an actor. It's such a fascinating. It's just a fascinating performance. And like. It's, Again, I mean, seriously, like one A, one B, easily, right? I mean, like Doug, Bra- like what if we had seen Jamie Clayton first, 
would she have just been our person instead of Doug Bradley? Like, that I just think would have been that, it. I think it's an equal level performance. I think so too. I don't think you can, you can't, you can't, you can compare the two because it's the same character, but they're they're comparable. Totally. The same. They're they're comparable. They're both amazing in their own wonderful ways. Absolutely. And I I honestly was so fucking blown away. It was great by how awesome Penhead and the Cenobites were. Same. Um. So as we're wrapping up, right? Um. We have the world's most obvious betrayal the ruse right um ruse. what did you make of artist douche trying to be like i told you not to take the box bruh <laughs> right <laughs> that line was so <sighs> and when you watch it a second time you're like oh literally every scene you can tell he's in on this yeah right like even at the smoking ladies when she's beginning to unfurl serena right when she's beginning to unfurl who Voight was and what he was up to. Yeah. He's like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like in every single fucking scene, they make it so crystal clear that he is the fucking Judas of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it was so telegraphed, but honestly it didn't bother me. Cause here's what, here's my question to you. Right. So at the end he's sitting there mm -hmm. and the plans unfurled, right. They've tried to save him. Voight comes out and is like, "Ah, every minute's a fucking problem when you have a fucking meat slicer in your belly. Right. And they do their thing, right? And Voight says that line, right? He'll keep doing what I pay him to because this is the best deal of his miserable life. And he sits there, and when he stabs Colin, he's like, you didn't have to do that. And then he says sorry to Riley when she's like, you knew. It's a great moment, right? Even though a very telegraphed moment. Do you think he actually felt regret? No. I mean, I think he feels regret because he knows he's going to be the one to get axed, but no. I think there's a small part of him that is like, this is so much fucking more than I bargained. Well, I think it's... And it throws back but, to that first scene when they're fucking and he goes, I love you. Was that a spontaneous right. he actually enjoys her company or was he already setting her up? I mean, I, I'm not sure about that. But like, that's... But, but to your point, that's what I'm saying is like, I don't think he... Like, the regret was, oh man, this was a lot more than I expected. Like, his regret yeah. is still completely self-serving. That's all there is to it. Like, there's nothing about well, also regret after you've ruined so many lives is, you know, kind of falls on deaf ears. Yeah, but. <laughs> exactly. You've ruined everybody else's life. I'm not sure. Like, but oh, my God, dude, how about that line when he's like, I don't guess I could get you to reconsider. You couldn't get me to do anything, even if you wanted to. And it's like, bam, the whole audience is like, no, oh, God damn it, Riley, don't open the doors. There was. OK, I got to talk about this. This is the like, this is probably my biggest critique of the entire movie is. The flashback of how Voight ended up with the, the bread slicer in his chest. It, okay, look, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with how most movies do these kinds of things, but like, this is Hellraiser. This is we see these very elaborate, gross kind of things, and <laughs> he's still shaving and putting suits on after six but, years what the but fuck? like we see these elaborate deaths and that kind of stuff and literally the scene we get is this this, this flashback of like <laughs> this thing yeah. falling down no, it looks like a video game when you earn like a new gun yeah. and then just like, magically what? it's in his chest and you're like oh god damn it we just like skipped like okay. really cool shit so this is why i think voight sucks right voight in the first scene wonderful then he just becomes this kind of like pervert boogeyman, right? The 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 chest slicer thing is just so beneath the level of everything else we see. These Cenobites are fucking decked out to the nines, right? Yeah. Pinhead looks amazing. And then all of a sudden you're telling me one of the six boons 
of your audience with Leviathan, this ancient god, is, ha-ha, you get a little fucking nerve twister. Right. Like, that's the extent. Because I know he says it's like, it's all a trap. All they have to offer you is pain. Awesome. Love that sentiment, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I wanted what I wanted, and it was too much, right? Again, a la Uncle Frank. That was such a piss-poor contraption. Yeah. Like, the the lack of invention and interestingness from that little doohickey. Yeah. It honestly, it did, it put a little sadness in my heart. Me too. Like, I mean, here's my thing. In a movie that doesn't miss much, because this is the thing. That was a the big two miss. voids are a miss. Because one, that's a miss. And then two, right, we get this awesome scene where his chest regrows. We're like, that's great. Only to get rehooked by a Leviathan. So it's this extra fuck right. you, right? Oh, I gave your body back. Not. And then he gets, is he being, because remember. His final scene, he's being made a Cenobite. If okay, you choose cool. the power That's what I thought too, right? That's, that's how happening. new Cenobites that's, are made. That's how it was in uh, number two. Yeah, that's great, right? It's like we never fully understood, like, how do you become a Cenobite versus, like, Frank seems like he has the resume of a Cenobite. Yeah, seems. But no, so I thought that was a great addition. I got to say, though, by far the lamest Cenobite design. Yeah. It was cool when they peeled his skin back, but I was like, this is your last image of the movie. The skin, the face peeling was great. The eyes blackening was great. And then they pull back, and I was like, eh. My only defense is that maybe this is the start of a very long I assumed process. it was the beginning of the process. If that's the case, then so I, be it. I great it final be, image. I assumed awesome it was the beginning image. of the process because like, yeah. man, we really fucked up if with that, that was chest what he red looks slicer. Like, if he comes into number two and that's what he looks like, that'll be a bit depressing. That was not nearly to the level of the six other Cenobites that were like background. I also like, this is another problem. I also spent like an inordinate amount of time. And by that, I mean like five extra minutes than I should have trying to figure <laughs> out. It's like, how was Voight sitting this entire like six years? He's just been, like sitting in this house. Like, yeah. Is he sitting down and at all? Like that idea is fine. What is not fine was the device they came up with, and that is like that's one of yeah. if you talk to God and that's like he's like, Hey, I made this thing, you're like, Haven't you been here for like eternity? Like yeah. you didn't fucking go back to the it's whiteboard. Nothing cooler. You did it like five times, you're like, Ah, that's pretty fucking lame. You know what I mean? What about like I, I'm not even gonna pretend that I'm smart enough to like write something better. That was definitely the lamest thing in the movie. Definitely. By miles, right? In a movie that is really good, Voight by the end was not my i liked his like you know i want to be a cenobite thing that was cool yeah um because as he's going no pinhead's like oh yes it's like yeah fuck yeah so again it's a small quibble like if that's the worst thing about this movie again. to me then it fucking nailed it yeah absolutely and then even as i'm mad about the device then we see leviathan emerge from the sky and descend on the house and i'm like that is a top 10 favorite hellraiser fucking moment for me rad. immediately fucking awesome it was awesome it was awesome that's my takeaway and maybe we're a little bit easier marks than a lot of people because we just did the entire franchise and had to do shows on them right i don't know this i feel is, like this is kind of how i wanted to wrap up though right a final love letter to what you like and then i'm gonna unveil the power rankings the the hellraiser power rankings from the film alchemist <laughs> so my my thing was right amazing cenobites amazing penhead like, equally as good as Doug Bradley, Penhead. The new edition of the lore involving the box and Leviathan mm -hmm. and production value. 
Yes. Something that this movie has been sorely lacking. Sorely lacking for. I mean, because we 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 looked this up, right? Hellraiser one was a million bucks. Two was six million bucks, and even then they said that they were held back from some of their grandiosity because of that. Right. Then you start doing this like two to three. Hellraiser four is four million, and then from there it just starts fucking falling off a cliff into like, I think Judgment was like three hundred grand. Jesus. And it's. Again, Hellraiser 1 is a better movie than this on what I'm guessing is this is a 10 to $20 million movie, yeah. and that was a $1 million movie. I'd say it's right between 10 and 20 But it is nice to, again, see a little bit of fucking muscle flesh behind this franchise, right? So, to me, all of the things that were really important to me, this movie fucking dominated, right? And that final line, you know, what happened in there? I made a choice. Was mm-hmm. It was the right choice, right? And we just freeze on Riley's face. She now will live with lament and will never know. And our final image is seeing the birth of a Cenobite. I don't know what else I could have asked for, right? Except for a better fucking liminal device. But (laughs) to me, I don't know. I was like, of all the horror remakes and kind of reboots, right? I like this better than the Friday the 13th reboot. Better than the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. Um, I really like the 2018 Halloween this one is better to me, right? I, so of all the like kind of legacy kind of reboots and this and that, I think this is about as good as you can do. I mean, I think it's the best one. Like, sorry. Yeah. I know that Hellraiser that's like, is my favorite movie of all time. And I was so fucking satisfied when this yeah, movie Yeah, this is honestly the best. I mean, it's not, I mean, again, it's not like, this is the best reimagining of the original uh, you could ask for. Like, this is a reboot, whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's a better sequel part of the series than literally almost any other horror franchise short of maybe my favorite my favorite which is night on elm street part two yeah i okay so here's the thing right we're gonna unveil we did all of these our fucking hellraiser franchise rankings right done by me but i'm assuming alex would be pretty similar if you had beef call it out right so the dead last the most obnoxiously boring movie in the hellraiser franchise Hellseeker. Correct. I know Without a lot of people a doubt. disagree. That is such a fucking just pointlessly boring movie that does have Kirsty and some cool shit, but not my favorite. Uh, Hellraiser Revelation, right? Suffers from Cartman face uh, pinhead and some <laughs> very low budget warts, right? Hellraiser Hellworld. Evil goes online. Pinhead is a video game, maybe, but wildly fun Lance Hendricks performance and baby Henry Cavill. Right. So that was good enough. Uh, Hellraiser Debtor, European sex cult, Norgy Train. No idea what that movie was about still. Nope. Uh, then we have, God damn, I can't even read. What is this one? Hellraiser Bloodlines. Okay, so Bloodline is part four. This is our time travel. We see the invention of the box. We see them summon a demon into this lady's peeled off skin. Yep. Fun. Not bad. It's your into space sequel. Thought it achieved a little more than I thought it would have. Uh, Hellraiser Inferno. Scott Derrickson's kind of reimagining to this Twilight Zone puzzle of the mind. This little Jacob's Ladder action. Yeah. Yeah. Fun movie, right? This is the one that no one on earth is going to agree with me with. I think Hellraiser Judgment is a more interesting version of Inferno that attempts to tackle some interesting lore, right? It's essentially the exact same movie. But at the end, Pinhead says, fuck you, God, and rips an angel in half. And I was like, 
that one thing and then the writing of the sins and eating them as a word soup, I'm like, that's as interesting as most of the other Hellraiser sequels to me. So I have Hellraiser Judgment as number five. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's not bad. For me personally. All right, then we go Hellraiser 3. This is our action figure, uh, you know, CD head, acid CD martini head, one shaker. Of, one of my faves. It's just fun. God going in, or Pinhead going into the church and kind of being sacrilegious. Fun fucking movie, right? This is where it's hard. Number one, obviously, is still the original. I think it's still the superior version of Hellraiser to me, right? That movie is just about perfect in my mind. Here's my debate, and you can be the final vote. I think Hellraiser 2 Hellbound, again, expanding the mythology, it's super fun. It has this wonderful return as this Julia monster, which I loved. Does have Dr. Dickhead in it. Not my fave. Has that awesome gnarly mattress scene with the poor mentally ill patient, right? Right. Or this Hellraiser. Would you say this or Hellbound is our number two best Hellraiser movie? I'd say it's this one. You know what? That's what I said, too. It's specifically because of Dr. Dickhead. I was like that. And like, we're just going to kill Pinhead. You, that's, I that's even, a wound that's never healed for me. I wouldn't even penalize Hellbound for Dr. Dickhead at this point. What the reason I would make this version, I would reason I would make this hell. This Dr. Hellraiser, Dickhead is the liminal device of Hellraiser 2. The reason I would make this the number two spot is because of the lament configuration. Like, Everything about that box sells this movie in a way yeah. that none of the other Hellraisers were able to, even the first one. It's yeah, I think incredible. That's, it's it's really well done. Again, it didn't do enough to really leap it over that first. That first one is just like a lightning yeah, in a bottle. That first one's like, too good. Like there's movies. just yeah. And yeah, I you know what's funny though? I bet a lot of people this is gonna be their new favorite Hellraiser movie. I think so too. Which and I fun. think that's fucking I think that's wonderful. Great. And I hope this leads to a whole more 10 fucking sequels and like eight sequels in. Jamie Clayton's like, what are we doing here? Fuck this. What I want Jamie we, Clay like, I want to get Jamie Clayton to the point where she's like, oh, again? Yeah, this made me excited to have 10 more Hellraiser movies of varying quality. <laughs> I Honestly, I loved it, man. I was very satisfied. Um, I thought it was wonderful. And again, I liked it more the second time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and at this stage of the game... That's a goddamn small miracle, right? Truth. What a capper to our Hellraiser franchise. We hope you guys have uh, enjoyed our deep dive into the flesh as much as we have. You guys know the deal. 31 days, 31 pods every October here on the old Film Alchemist podcast. Uh, so tomorrow we begin our second franchise of the month. We're going through the Wishmaster franchise. That's right. One through four. I think that was our theme this month is Harry sequels. That That is what we picked. I personally fucking love Wishmaster, and I'm very excited for you guys to do I that do journey with us. I'm not sure anybody enjoys Wishmaster as much as you and I, by the way. <laughs> that movie is fucking amazing. So, guys, thank you again for your time. Thank you to the team behind the new Hellraiser. Thank you, Jamie Clayton. God damn, that was exciting. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm soaring on clouds. When you see your, your guys get done justice on film it's a very exhilarating thing i thought this was a wonderful movie four stars out of five truth david bruckner you crushed it you guys fucking crushed it all right we will see you all tomorrow make sure you go to patreon.com slash film alchemist pod 
So this upcoming after Wishmaster, you guys want to hear our Train to Busan episode. Yeah. You want to hear that. Go to patreon.com slash Pod. Support the show. Help yourself out. Uh, thank you guys in advance. That's it for us. Bye.